Shabbat Shalom, everyone. I'm Monty Judah with Lion and Lamb Ministries. I want to welcome you to our program. Coming to you for the next couple of weeks on each Sabbath morning, we're going to talk about the fall feasts that are coming up. We are now approaching the final stages of the summer of this year, and the fall feasts are getting ready to come up. We're talking specifically about the Feast of Trumpets, the Day of Atonement, and the Feast of Tabernacles. And so, like we did in the springtime, where I shared with you about the spring feasts, we're going to come to a program. We're going to talk about the fall feasts coming up. And I hope this program will be an encouragement to you, motivate you to consider observing the feasts with us and joining in. So we're going to give you some instruction and explain what they are, how we observe them, what they're about, why are they meaningful to us concerning our faith in the Messiah. Let me just review very quickly the seven Levitical feasts. If you go to Leviticus 23, you will find that after it explains Sabbath, that it tells us about the Passover. In the Hebrew, it's called Pesach. Then we have the Feast of Unleavened Bread that follows for seven days after that. We have the Feast of First Fruits that takes place. That begins the counting of the Omer of seven Sabbaths. And at the conclusion of those seven Sabbaths, on the day after the seventh Sabbath, we have what's called Shavuot, or the Feast of Weeks. Some people call it Pentecost, which means 50, the 50th day. But then there's a gap in the summer, and then we come to the fall, and we have in the month of Tishri, on the first day of Tishri, the seventh month, we have the Day of Trumpets, Yom Teruah. The Jews also refer to it as Rosh Hashanah, or the head of the year. They consider it to be Jewish New Year. Then 10 days later, on the 10th of Tishri, we have the Day of Atonement. The scripture refers to that as a day of reconciliation. The prophets refer to it as the future day of the Lord. And in the Hebrew, we call it Yom Kippur, or the Day of Atonement. Then five days later, on the 15th of Tishri, we begin the seven-day festival called the Feast of Booze, or Feast of Tabernacles, other places called the Feast of Ingathering. And then there's one additional day after that, which is called the Great Day of the Feast, and that's your basic seven Levitical feasts. Now, this program, we're going to address the ones that are in the fall. We're going to talk about trumpets, the Day of Atonement, and also the Feast of Tabernacles. Let me just say right from the beginning that when we went through and looked at the spring feast, they prophetically showed us the picture of the Redeemer coming the first time. And when Yeshua came with the disciples, he ate the Passover with them, and there was the giving of the Holy Spirit that took place on the day of Pentecost. And he came, and the first time he came, he fulfilled those spring feasts. We are expecting that when the Messiah comes the second time, he will come fulfilling the fall feast, the sounding of the trumpet, which represents the resurrection. We're looking forward to that when the Messiah comes. The day of the Lord, the day that God judges the world. And then finally, observing the Feast of Tabernacles, which the prophet Zechariah says will be the first festival in the kingdom with the Messiah when he comes to make dwelling with us to establish his kingdom when we live with him here in the world. So we're going to be touching on some of the themes about the second coming of the Messiah at the same time that we go through and talk about each of these feasts. 
I also want to explain a little bit about how they're observed today, how you and I can participate in these feasts, recognizing what their implications are and what they mean to us. So in this first episode, I'm going to give you a review of the scriptures for all of these three feasts. I'm going to take you where the scripture, what it says with regard to each of these three feasts. Let's go to Leviticus 23 first. As I mentioned to you, it's part of the description of the seven feasts of the Lord. So beginning in Leviticus 23 at verse 23, it's going to begin to describe the day of trumpets to us. It says there, verse 23, again, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the sons of Israel saying, in the seventh month, on the first of the month, you shall have a rest, a reminder of blowing of trumpets, a holy convocation. You shall not do any labor's work, but you shall present an offering by fire to the Lord. Just a couple of quick verses, and it says in Leviticus 23, hey, on the first day of that seventh month, which in the Hebrew calendar we call Tishri, you're going to have a day of the sounding of trumpets. There's another passage of Scripture which also gives us a description. I'll read that to you in just a little bit. But right off the bat, it's, it seems like a simple holiday. We're just sounding a bunch of trumpets. It's a day of sounding trumpets. What in the world does that mean? Well, in our program, we're going to go into the detail and explain to you what is the meaning of the sounding of those trumpets. What is that trumpet? What are the different trumpet blasts? Why did he call for us to do that? The second holiday that we're going to cover is atonement, or the Day of Atonement. Continuing in Leviticus 23, at verse 26, it says this, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, On exactly the tenth day of the seventh month is the Day of Atonement. It shall be a holy convocation for you. You shall humble your souls and present an offering by fire to the Lord. You shall not do any work on this same day, for it is a day of atonement, to make atonement on your behalf before the Lord your God. If there is any person who will not humble himself on this same day, he shall be cut off from his people. And as for any person who does any work on this same day, that person I will destroy from among his people. You shall not do work at all. It is to be a perpetual statute throughout your generations in all of your dwelling places. It is to be a Sabbath of complete rest to you, and you shall humble your souls. And on the ninth of the month at evening, from evening until evening, you shall keep your Sabbath. Now, if you'll note, the instructions that come from Leviticus about this holiday are far more strict than all of the other previous holy days that have been given to us in Leviticus 23. In fact, the demands from the Lord with regard to that is there's like zero tolerance for not keeping this day. In Israel, Yom Kippur is considered to be the holiest day of the year, and they take very seriously the keeping of this. Now, there's a key phrase here I just read to you. It's about humbling your souls that you begin at the very moment the Day of Atonement begins, which is in the sundown of the evening before all the way until the sun goes. So it's a full solar cycle of an evening and a morning that this is to be observed. 
We're going to go into considerable detail about this when we get into it later, but I wanted to first introduce to you how serious God suddenly gives the instructions on the Day of Atonement. Now we have the third of the fall holidays that we're going to be talking about, and that is tabernacles. The instruction continues in Leviticus 23 as follows. Again, the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the sons of Israel, saying, On the fifteenth of this seventh month is the Feast of Booze for seven days to the Lord. Feast of Booze, Feast of Tabernacles, uh, Sukkot, they all mean the same thing. And on the first day is a holy convocation. You shall not do any labor's work of any kind. For in seven days you shall present an offering by fire to the Lord. And on the eighth day you shall have a holy convocation and present an offering by fire to the Lord. It is an assembly. You shall do no labor's work. I want you to take note very quickly what he said. But apparently the Feast of Tabernacles is seven days. But then there's an eighth day where you're going to assemble at the completion of that. And we consider that to be Hoshana Rabbah, the great day of the feast. We'll talk about that in more detail as well. Now, he emphasizes offerings. One of the things that I will be sharing with you is the most number of sacrifices that are presented on the altar in the temple is done at the Feast of Tabernacles. I'm going to take you to the scriptures that will show you it specifies the number of sacrifices to be done. There are 70 bulls that are sacrificed in the course of the Feast of Tabernacles in the temple. It is a quite extensive holiday observed that he called for. Again, we'll go into more details of that. Let me continue at verse 37 of Leviticus 23. These are the appointed times of the Lord which you shall proclaim as holy convocations, meetings, holy assemblies, to present offerings by fire to the Lord, burnt offerings and grain offerings, sacrifices and drink offerings, each day's matter on its own day. And as you'll find out, we're going to have a very specified set of sacrifices God's going to call. He goes on to say this, and besides those of the Sabbaths of the Lord, and besides your gifts, and besides all of your votive and free will offerings which you give to the Lord, on exactly the fifteenth day of the seventh month, when you have gathered in the crops of the land, you shall celebrate the feast of the Lord for seven days with a rest on the first and a rest on the eighth. Now on the first day you shall take for yourselves the foliage of beautiful trees, palm branches, and boughs of leafy trees and willows of the brook, and you shall rejoice before the Lord your God for seven days. You shall thus celebrate it as a feast of the Lord for seven days in a year, and it shall be a perpetual statute throughout your generations. You shall celebrate it in the seventh month. You shall live in booths for seven days. All the native born in Israel shall live in booths, so that your generations may know that I had the sons of Israel live in booths when I brought them from the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. So Moses declared to the sons of Israel the appointed times of the Lord. Now we have some additional explanation about the Feast of Tabernacles. Well, it said there's going to be seven days. First day is a holy convocation, a high Sabbath. Then there's an eighth day. That too will be a high Sabbath. But then he says, now you're going to bring leafy branches 
in addition to all these specified sacrifices I want to be brought to the Lord, you're going to bring these leafy branches and you're going to rejoice before the Lord. Then you're going to take those branches and you're going to use them to make a sukkah. And a sukkah is a hut, it's a tabernacle, it's a temporary shelter, and it's part of the name of the Feast of Tabernacles. The actual word for tabernacles is sukkot, meaning tabernacles. And you make a temporary shelter, a tent, if you will, and in our case, like an RV, a temporary living place. And you take these leafy branches and you put them on the roof and you help make your hut, and this is what he calls for. Then he explains that the reason why we're doing this is that we are remembering how our ancestors lived in temporary shelters when they were coming out of Egypt before they came into the promised land. It's a very interesting commandment because this thing is filled with all kinds of prophetic imagery and explains a lot to the future. I have shared this many times before with different audiences. If you had been living in the days just before Yeshua of Nazareth came on the scene publicly with his ministry, you've been hanging around with the disciples, you were looking for the coming of the Messiah. Let's say that we were anticipating his coming and we're trying to figure out how do I prepare best to understand what the Messiah is going to do and what's going to happen and so forth. I would have said to you, based on my knowledge and understanding of the Torah, that you want to learn everything there is to know about the Passover. You want to find out what all the imagery and the symbology is of the Passover Seder, what you do, why you do it, because that's what the Messiah is going to be doing when he comes the first time to do the work of redemption. Well, let me update you. We are now a group. We've seen the Messiah come. We did see him do the Passover. We saw him fulfill the Passover instituted the new covenant through the cup and the bread of the Passover. We're now looking for the Messiah to return and come back and establish his kingdom. So what holiday should maybe we take that wise counsel that I was talking about before that we should focus in on and really pay close attention to and learn everything we can about that holiday and certainly observe it to help prepare us for the second coming, for the coming of the Messiah? The answer is, the Feast of Tabernacles. The Feast of Tabernacles is actually telling us something about how to prepare for the Second Coming. In the course of this program, when we get into that detail, I think you're going to find that to be very interesting discussion. That's part of the reason why God has instituted these festivals and has us do it. All seven festivals are testifying to us about the works of the Messiah, from redemption to restoring of all things. By keeping the feast, we are reminding ourselves each year about what God through the Messiah is doing for us. We're also teaching our children, the next generation, what the Lord is going to be doing with us in the future. And these are all important elements that have to do with us understanding our faith. Quite honestly, in the days that we're living today and the interest that we have in the second coming, we should not be hesitating at all about learning about these feasts and keeping these feasts. It's in the actual keeping of the feast that you see and begin to understand what is the real spiritual message. 
I could quite honestly sit here and give you a brilliant description. I know that amazes you that I could do that, but I could give you a brilliant description of every one of these holidays. You still would not quite grasp what God has given to us, but by observing it, you will suddenly see things spiritually that you couldn't hear with your ears coming from me. As this program is being broadcast, obviously the fall holidays are coming up here very shortly. In September, we're going to have the Feast of Trumpets. We're going to have the Day of Atonement. And then coming right at the end of the month of September this year, we'll have the Feast of Tabernacles. Lionel Land Ministries hosts a Feast of Tabernacles. We've been doing it for more than a couple of dozen years. It's in experiencing it that you suddenly learn these incredible spiritual lessons about what this stuff is about. Suddenly, these words take on shape and meaning in our faith, particularly our relationship with the Messiah. Now, the one thing I hope that you've already detected by me reading these scriptures to you is that God is not messing around about he wants us to do this. These are commandments. He wants us to learn about these things and begin to observe them. These are kind of like appointments with God throughout the year, and he wants us to participate in it. We as messianic believers, more common things that happen to us as we become messianic in our faith is there's three main things that we do. We take our faith in the Messiah, Yeshua of Nazareth, and we suddenly realize, whoa, you know, that Sabbath thing, that didn't go away. The Sabbath is still with us. And Yeshua it tells us that the Sabbath was made for us. It was for our benefit and that he's the Lord of the Sabbath. And all of a sudden, us Christians who weren't formally keeping the Sabbath, we were doing Sunday worship, you become messianic, you go, whoa, wait a minute, that Sabbath thing didn't go away. I guess we should do that. Well, by keeping the Sabbath, not only are you keeping that decree that was given by God as the creator from the very beginning, to recognize him and his work of creation. It's also the building block to be able to keep the feasts of the Lord. If you recall, as I read through that, there's to be a Sabbath on the day of trumpets. There's to be a very holy Sabbath on the day of atonement. There's to be a high Sabbath on the first day and the eighth day of the Feast of Tabernacles. And unless you're already starting to keep the Sabbath on a weekly basis to understand what that is, you will not be prepared to be able to keep these feasts. Keep these feasts, you have to have learned to have kept the Sabbath first. So messianics, when they come in, they begin to keep the Sabbath. And then suddenly now they're equipped to begin to keep the feasts of the Lord. And so they learn about Passover and the Feast of Weeks, and they learn to count that. And we get down to the fall feast, and we learned about blowing the shofar and the trumpets. We learn about Yom Kippur, and we learn about tabernacles. Sabbath and the ability to observe Sabbath is a key building block to be able to observe these feasts. That's part of the experience. That's part of the benefit of observing these things as well. I want to shift gears for just a little bit, and I want to break down the approach on teaching you about them, because there's one more general area I want you to be familiar with, and that is that God also specifies that the sacrifices that are to be presented to him in the temple. In other words, there's special things done in the temple at these that God specified as well for the priests and for the people to, as a corporate group to worship the Lord. Now, 
let's be honest here. You and I, we don't have the benefit of the temple. We don't have the priests. We can't keep these particular commandments because we're scattered in the nations. And even in the modern state of Israel, they don't have the temple mount. They don't have a temple. They don't have an altar service. And we don't have an operating priesthood. The house of Judah has returned to the land, but we don't have things reestablished yet as they used to be. But I want to make sure that in this program that we do cover and that you do understand, God has specified certain key things to happen in the temple associated with each of these holidays. So if you will, turn with me now to Numbers chapter 29. We're going to get another instruction about the fall feast, but this time he's going to be explaining, these are the things I want done in the temple associated with them. And they do have implications in their understandings to even what we're trying to do today without a temple. Numbers chapter 29, beginning of verse 1, it says this, Now in the seventh month, on the first day of the month, that's, yeah, that's the day of trumpets, you shall have a holy convocation. You shall do no labor's work. It will be a day for the blowing of trumpets. You shall offer a burnt offering as a soothing aroma to the Lord, one bull, one ram, and seven male lambs, one year old, without defect. Also, their grain offering, fine flour mixed with oil, three-tenths of an ephah for the bull, two-tenths for the ram, and one-tenth for each of the seven lambs. And offer one male goat for a sin offering to make atonement for you. Besides the burnt offering of the new moon and its grain offering and the continual burnt offering of its grain and their drink offerings, according to their ordinance for a soothing aroma and offering by fire to the Lord. Now, I know that in the course of listing these different offerings, boy, you know, it's hard to kind of grasp all that's taking place. Essentially, what he's saying is all the normal offerings that are done in the temple, no matter what whether it's a new moon day, whether it's a, a regular day, uh, it's a Sabbath day, what it, no matter what it is, you're going to do these additional offerings in addition to those. So when you come to the Feast of Trumpets and you're at the temple, you came to worship the Lord and so forth at the temple, there is a lot of activity going on in the temple. There are a lot of sacrifices taking place and so forth. It takes the whole day of the temple service to be able to do this. And while it's going on, guess what you're listening to, what your ears, there's trumpets blowing all over everywhere. Set the scene here for the moment. You've got the fragrance of all these sacrifices up on the altar, the fat of the sacrifices burning, and you have this sweet fragrance coming off of the altar. You have all these trumpets blowing. You have all of this activity going. It's quite a celebration. And besides that, this is a lot of people would come to Jerusalem to be a part of this. So you had all this activity going on. Now, in the future episodes, I'm going to take you through all the trumpet blasts, and I'm going to show you the 10 things we're supposed to be remembering and knowing about those trumpet blasts. There's some very specific instruction that were given to us throughout the scripture, and some of it is very meaningful for us. Let me give you a hint of what we're getting ready to share with you. That shofar blast that we're talking about, that ram's horn that we blow, we want to know that sound really well. We want to be able to recognize that sound. That's the reason why we have the Feast of Trumpets. 
We're going to blow trumpets all day. Guess what you're supposed to be learning? What does the sound of that trumpet sound like? Because there's a day coming when that's the sound you're going to hear that is the resurrection. That's the sound that's going to be heard in the earth when the Lord comes with the day of the Lord. That's going to be the sound that you hear when the king returns. So that's a pretty important sound for us to recognize, be trained in, and know about. When we get into that portion and the more of the detail of it, we'll get into it. So these are the special sacrifices for this one day celebration of the day of the blowing of trumpets. So let's move now to what did God specify for the Day of Atonement, because we have even more. If you remember, the Day of Atonement has very strict elements to it about how it must be observed by everyone in Israel. If you don't observe it, you can be cut off from the people of Israel. You can be, the Lord will cut you off. From, that's a very severe penalty for not observing this particular event. So let's talk about atonement and how it was done in the temple. Chapter 29, verse 7. Then on the tenth day of the seventh month, you shall make a holy convocation. You shall humble yourselves. You shall not do any work. You shall present a burnt offering to the Lord as a soothing aroma of one bull, one ram, seven male lambs, one year old, having been without defect. That was the same as what was at the trumpets. Their grain offering, fine flour mixed with oil, three-tenths of an ephah for the bull, two-tenths for the one ram, a tenth for each of the seven lambs, one male goat for a sin offering, besides the sin offering of atonement and continual burnt offering and its grain offering and their drink offerings. Okay, it sounds like it's the same thing as the Day of Trumpets. However, additionally, not here in Numbers chapter 29, there's a whole nother teaching in the Torah that Moses gives in which he explains, this is the day we're going to bring in two goats. We're going to select one goat, which is going to make atonement for going in before the Holy of Holies. This is the day the high priest goes into the Holy of Holies, the only day he does. And the other goat is going to be called the escape goat. He's going to carry the burden of all the sins of omission of Israel. He's going to be uh, taken out from the temple and taken out into the wilderness and be released. He'll be separated from the people. We know that as the, the scapegoat teaching. Now, Numbers 29 doesn't cover that elsewhere in the Torah. Now, when we get into the detail of the Day of Atonement, I'll go through and explain all of the details of what happens on the Day of Atonement. But suffice it to say, right now, that it is a profound day of fasting. When it says humble your souls, it means some of the language used elsewhere is to afflict your souls. From the evening, of the beginning of it until the whole thing is completed, you are to afflict your soul. There is to be no pleasure. You are not even to pleasure yourself with a meal. You are to be humble and quiet before the Lord. And part of the reason is that if this is really the day of the Lord that will be happening in the future, this is the day that God will come down and judge the whole world and all of his enemies are going to be destroyed. There's nothing for us to rejoice in. There's no reason for us to rejoice 
when God has to execute justice on all of his enemies, and mankind who refuse to obey the Lord is going to be slain and judged. Now, I'm all for cheering for the Lord, doing great things, but even God says, I don't want you cheering when I have to go judge mankind. I want you to be quiet and humble before me. Part of the humility that we learn from Yom Kippur is that let's stop this business that we think we're high and mighty in the kingdom. We're here by the grace of God and because he has saved us and our atonement in him, our reconciliation to is because of what God's done, not because of what we've done. There's no reason for us to be prideful, built up, puffed up, or anything of the nature. It's a very interesting instruction. And by the way, if you observe this and keep it, it actually teaches you about God's form of humility, about how to be humble before the Lord and to minister you know, in that manner. So it's the day of humbling of our souls. It's the day of fasting. In fact, we are actually commanded later on that we are to break the fast. We're not to connect the fast of the Day of Atonement with any other fast. You know, people sometimes fast to the Lord for various reasons, for prayer or whatever. You're not to connect any other fast with this. This is to be a distinct commanded fast to be observed and kept. And so we do it for that. So in addition to these offerings in the temple, we have this incredible ceremony that we'll learn more about where the high priest comes in with two goats. One's going to be slain and sacrificed and brought before the Ark of the Covenant in the Holy of Holies. The high priest will go in there and we'll also have one that is taken out that escapes. You know. All right, so let's talk about tabernacles and how it was observed in the temple, and this is going to get really interesting for you. Numbers chapter 29, verse 12, it says, Then on the fifteenth day of the seventh month you shall make a holy convocation, you shall do no labor's work, you shall observe a feast to the Lord for seven days. So we have some instruction for seven days, then there's going to be an eighth day. During those seven days, verse 13 you shall present a burnt offering on an offering by fire as a soothing aroma to the Lord, 13 bulls, two rams, and 14 male lambs, one year old, which are without defect. My goodness, 13 bulls are going to be presented on the first day of it, along with the grain offering, along with the three-tenths of an ephah and with them to go along with them, two rams, a tenth of four, 14 lambs, one male goat for a sin offering, continual bird offering, continue offering the grain offering and the drink offering. Okay, great. So that's what we did on the first day, the high Sabbath. Now, verse 17 says, this is what we're going to do on the second day. Remember, there's seven days of the feast in the temple. And then on the second day, 12 bulls. Did you take note of that? It was 13 bulls on the first day, and now it's 12 bulls on the second day. And again, the listing of the same sacrifices that went with it all the way through, look at verse 20. Then on the third day, 11 bulls. We start with 13, and we're going to count down one less bull all the way down. And let me go ahead and just tell you, it counts down and repeats all of these that I've been sharing with you. And we get to the point where he gets to the seventh day, verse 32. 
Then on the seventh day, seven bulls, two rams, 14 male lambs, blah, blah, blah. And how many bulls have we done? Well, if you take the count of 13, then 12, then 11, then 10, then nine, then eight, then seven, the total is in the course of those seven days, 70 bulls. Why 70 bulls? Why would we sacrifice 70 bulls in the Feast of Tabernacles? The Feast of Tabernacles, one of the things it emphasizes is the Feast of Ingathering. And why that it means all people, all saints that belong to the Lord, including aliens and sojourners. It's not just the native born of Jacob. So it's all believers in the God of Israel. Guess what they've done? In the scriptures, we understand that when God uses the term 70, he's referring to the nations of the world. He's referring to the Gentile world. He has offered a bull for every one of the 70 nations of the world that he recognizes. Now, if you go to the UN, they're going to tell you, oh, there's about 189, 190 nations. But God recognizes 70 foreign nations, and Israel is not in that count. Israel is a separate nation from the 70. So what we have is Israel in this ceremony presenting sacrifices for all the nations of the world. The idea that these feasts are strictly for Jews is utter, unbelievable nonsense. This particular, the greatest number of sacrifices offered in the Feast of Tabernacles, it's for the world. It's for a sacrifice to be brought for every nation, for every people in the world. And the 70 bulls is the symbolization of all of those nations. All right, so we get through the seven days. We've had all these bulls, all these rams, all these lambs, all this sacrificing going on. And by the way, according to the tradition, and this is reports that come out of writings that talk about how these used to be observed, there's a couple of things they take note of, that there were so many sacrifices that were going on inside the temple in the court of Israel while it was going on, that they had to spread salt all over the floor of the temple to absorb the spilled blood and the sacrificial elements that were taking place, that the drains that were taking the blood and so forth from the altar, that it was an incredible display. And to keep everything clean and proper, that they would spread salt you know, we affectionately referred to it as temple litter, that we'd clean up and keep everything clean. And they said that the priests would be walking around in their bare feet, and it would be like walking around on snow. In other words, it was so thick, and so many sacrifices had been done. That was part of the event. Furthermore, they used to set up towers in the temple in Jerusalem, four large towers that were inside of the court of Israel, I believe it's the court of Israel, may have been in the outer court. And these four towers had fires on them at night. And they would light these fires. And so during the Feast of Tabernacles, they would have this light coming from the temple that all the people in Jerusalem could see. You know, you'd look up toward the temple, and here's these elevated four fires. Now, let me just tell you very quickly that. The number four, anytime we see this in Scripture, 440, 400, 4,000, that's a messianic theme. This is under the study of what we call thematic. Certain basic prime numbers 
give us certain themes. Well, just to give you a little explanation. One, it's always about God. Two, is always about the balance between God and man. Three, is always about covenants and the fathers. Four, is always about the Messiah. Five, is always about faith, grace, mercy. Six, is about mankind. Seven, is the plan of God. Eight, is about new beginnings. Nine, is about judgment. Ten, is about confidence in God. And twelve, is about theocracy, the government of God. I can go anywhere in the scripture with that theme on those numbers. And I can give you the teaching of why that number appears. And it's always consistent with that. Now, here we have four great lights. Supposed to be symbolizing the Messiah. How does setting up four great lights in the temple at the Feast of Tabernacles somehow tell us something about the Messiah? Well, interestingly enough, the Feast of Tabernacles is supposed to be the first feast that we're gonna to observe together with the Messiah when he returns. Messiah touches his toe down on the Mount of Olives, comes into the temple, we're gonna be there to receive the Lord, and we're gonna observe the Feast of Tabernacles, the Feast of the Season of Joy with the Messiah right off the bat, first thing we do in the temple. And guess what the scripture says about when the Messiah comes and is there? It says he will be the light that will be in the temple, he will be the light that will be there in the city of Jerusalem. So in the temple service, they actually used to set these towers up to symbolize when the Messiah will come and observe the feast with us. They're the Feast of Tabernacles. A lot more to this. I'm gonna have a lot of fun teaching and sharing with you in the few next episodes about this particular feast and so forth. All right. So this is the basic overview. Now, let me get to the eighth day. You know, here in Numbers chapter 29, it says, uh, verse 35, on the eighth day, now this is not the day of sacrifices, on the eighth day you shall have a solemn assembly, you shall do no laborious work, but you shall present a burnt offering, an offering by fire, as a soothing aroma to the Lord, one bull, one ram, seven male lambs, year old. That's what was done in the other previous feasts, like Yom Teruah, like Day of Atonement, their grain offerings, their drink offerings for the bull, the ram, their numbers according to the ordinance, one male goat for a sin offering, continual burnt offering, grain offering, drink, same thing that was done on the other holidays. Verse 39, you shall present these to the Lord at your appointed times besides your votive offerings and your freewill offerings. So you could bring an offering and join in. And besides those that you would bring, these had to be done in the temple. And the priests were responsible for gathering these sacrifices and preparing. Do you understand that the offerings that were made to the common storehouse, that made to the temple, they would, those monies were used to cover the expenses of all of these national observances, these appointed times, these festivals, so that they could purchase the necessary sacrifices and to share. And oh, by the way, there was some that were burnt offerings, but a lot of this would go up on the altar, get cooked, come back down and get parsed out and shared, and everybody would eat, you ready for this? The Feast of the Lord together in Jerusalem. This would be parsed out. You would go to Jerusalem to do this, and part of what you'd be doing is you'd be joining in the Feast of the Lord of these sacrifices that had previously been up on God's great big barbecue, which he calls his altar. And by the way, that's one of the reasons why every good Messianic believer 
loves barbecue is because it's a reminder of getting to eat to feast of the Lord when the stuff used to come off the altar. I personally am a very devout believer, and I believe in barbecue. Amen. Verse 40, And Moses spoke to the sons of Israel according to all that the Lord had commanded him. All right. Now, we have done a quick review of all of the feasts as to what we're going to do. And in the next episode, I want to take the first one, the Feast of Trumpets, and we're going to go into some detail now about what the Feast of Trumpets is about and how it comes on the first of Tishri. It's about the blowing of trumpets and so forth. And I'm going to get into quite a bit of detail about what do trumpets have to do with our faith and why do we have a day in which God says, I want you to have a day of just blowing of trumpets for us in the faith. That will be in our next episode coming up next Shabbat about the fall feasts. Until then, Shabbat Shalom to all of you.